This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Kylie Camps, owner of the kind parenting company, wife, proud mom of twin boys, and happiness advocate. This podcast is a place for women who want more from life. It's your time to cultivate more self-care, compassion, happiness, love, and confidence. Let's have real conversations to help you feel better, choose better, and live your best life. Welcome to episode number 26. Today's podcast is a really exciting topic that's close to my heart, but before we jump into this, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank today's sponsor of the podcast. And that is Australian Natural Care. Now, Australian Natural Care is a healthcare company that began over 30 years ago in Byron Bay, which just so happens to be one of my all-time favourite places. They have nearly 100 vitamins and supplements and over 500 wellness products in their range. Now, you might not have heard of them before, but let me tell you they are a legit company. They sell online directly from their website and I recommend jumping over to their site to peruse their range. The two products from the range that I have been taking now consistently for over two months include the magnesium capsules and also a good night's sleep. This is a product that I really, really stand behind, and you guys know that I'm all about optimizing and making sure you get the best quality rest available. A good night's sleep is a traditional calming and sedative herb mixture for sleeplessness, and it also includes added magnesium. Now, as I mentioned, I am also taking the magnesium supplement. This was recommended to me personally, and of course, you should always, always check with your own healthcare provider. But magnesium was recommended for me personally because I do tend to struggle with low moods and a little irritability just before my period is due. And since committing and being really, really consistent with taking this supplement, I have 100% seen a reduction in just how grumpy I get in those weeks before my period. It's also really reduced the cramps in my stomach and my lower back pain as well at that time of the month. So I love them because they don't make me nauseous and the tablets are easy to swallow. And I just really, really believe in Australian natural care. If you'd like to check out their range, make sure you visit the show notes and I'll pop a link to their website. I also have a 20% off discount code to share with you, which is KC2020, all in capitals. So that's capital K, capital C, two, zero, and that gets you 20% off their entire range. If you've been meaning to prioritize your health and wellness, then definitely jump over to australiannaturalcare.com.au and have a look for yourself at the super high quality products they stock. Now, let's dive into the episode. So episode 26. Now today I wanted to talk about a topic that is really, really important to me. I feel like I always say that, Um, but this topic is, and that topic is exercise. Now we've called this episode 
the reasons why exercise is the answer sometimes because it's not always the answer for everything and there are certainly times in life when you need to rest and recover but I know for myself when I'm going through anything really whether life's throwing me curveballs or I'm feeling like I'm on top of everything exercise really really does help me and so for today's episode I have a qualified personal trainer not to mention dietitian joining me um, and her name is Mel Mel actually works for us now, which is amazing. She's way overqualified to be my PA, but she is a dream come true. And we just thought we would sit down and chat with you about, yeah, 10 reasons why exercise is the answer. So thanks for letting me rope you in, Mel. No worries. I'm glad to be here. So before we do jump into those 10 reasons why, can you let everyone know a little bit more about you? Sure. I've totally put her on the spot. (laughs) All good. Tell us all your secrets now. (laughs) I I have lots, but um, so yeah, so as Kylie said, my name is Melissa and I am an accredited practicing dietitian, sports dietitian, and more recently personal trainer. So I grew up in Brisbane and I actually had a love of physio or wanted to be one, but Unfortunately, at the end of, uh, end of grade 12, didn't get good enough scores to get into physio and um, actually decided to become a dietitian. So from that, I ended up graduating, moving to Cairns, where I spent three and a half years working with a credentialed diabetes educator. Beautiful Cairns. I like Yes. Cairns. Cairns is actually a beautiful place. It's very transient, but it, it is lovely once yeah, you get back to the humidity. Central, isn't it? Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Um, so I did spend my first three and a half years up there, which was really great and allowed me to gain a bucket load of experience working in private practice. And from there, I finished up, went on a six-week holiday on my own and moved back to Brisbane. So, oh gosh, for the last four years, I've been working in Brisbane, between Brisbane, Sunshine Coast and now Gold Coast um, and have my own business as a dietitian two days a week and also now Kylie's PA three days a week, which is very exciting. And yes, for those of you thinking it, even though I've already said it, she is way overqualified to work. (laughs) Um, for us, but it's funny how it kind of came about because you might remember a couple of months ago, I put it out online that I really needed to find someone to come on board and help out. And I actually know Mel personally. Um, it's kind of a long story. It is. We can make it quick though. We can, we can shorten it. (laughs) We can shorten it. So we've known each other pretty much our whole lives. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It's funny at our recent event, Mel's mum who is the godmother of one of my sisters, was saying that she remembers when I was born, which is wild. Yeah. (laughs) So our parents lived next door to one another when my mum was pregnant with me. So we always grew up just family friends and Mm -hmm. always, you know, always spent time together as families. And Mel has a little brother and I'm one of three. So we would always be playing and I don't know, I just remember like cubby houses and visiting you guys. It seems like the end of the earth where we lived. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it seemed like we lived really far apart, even though it wasn't. It was like half an hour. But when you're little, it feels that way. And then it wasn't until, um, like I think, a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago at a family function where my, my dad's always been, you know, a mad family historian and there was a gap in the puzzle and yeah, Kylie's mum just happened to be at this family function and 
my mom and my dad got talking and turns out we're actually related. We're all in this together. So I don't, I don't really know what our technical term would be. Oh, I'd probably say cousins removed, removed, but removed, removed, removed. It's somewhat related. <laughs> yeah, there is a definite relation. Um, and so when I put it out there that I was needing someone and Mel sent me a message, my response to her was, nope, you're too qualified. You don't want this job. And she was like, no, no, like, let's just, let's just see. And I had been interviewing other people as well. And then you came down one day and as soon as she walked in, I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. This will be just fine having Mel here. Um, and it was like that, hey. Yeah, it actually came at a perfect time. Work had been really slow and only the day before I had been talking to my partner about looking for work, but obviously difficulty when I'm a stepmom to three young boys. I work in Brisbane. We live on the Gold Coast. So lots of travel and I just, it was hard to try and find something that would be flexible and fit in with our lifestyle. And when Kylie posted, I thought, just reach out and see what happens. So good. And she just like Mel just breezed over the stepmom to three young boys part. Yes. How old are the boys? Uh, they are just turned six and then twin boys that will actually be for next week. So she gets it. She gets the chaos of right. life. She just comes in here. And instant family. Instant family. <laughs> um, but it's great. It's working really, really well, which is exciting. And so whilst she's here today working, I thought it'd be cool to pull her into this episode because she's qualified and these are kind of the conversations we would be having anyway amongst ourselves so I thought it'd be cool to just record it. So I guess where to start from here there are so many reasons why exercise is important and not just the physical reasons you know there's the mental reasons which I I would argue are far more important than the physical ones for sure and so we've listed out a couple of things that we wanted to just touch on with you and the first is the release of endorphins. Now, physical activity can, like it's proven, to improve your mood. And so many of us make exercise about being hard and it's like something that you don't want to do and it's a chore and it's a punishment and I get it. But if you can really focus on the symptom that the exercise will deliver to you rather than the actual act of doing that exercise... Like if you really focus in on the fact that you're going to have that big release of endorphins, which are your feel-good hormones, it makes it a little more enticing. Yeah, definitely. And I think when you find a reason, uh, you know, to exercise that is beyond just I have to, mm. it can really make exercise more exciting and something something that you actually enjoy. I know for myself, over the years, last year in particular, I had a bit of a difficult time and exercise was really something that I lent on just not only to make me feel happy, but just to give me a stress relief, something different. You know, often as a dietitian, I see people turning towards food as a means of coping with moods and, and stress. And I think exercise can be um, at times something that can be a great alternative. Yeah, and I guess with food there is that instant gratification and also the endorphin release as well that comes with food, you know, that Definitely. you have your serotonin and all of that start coming through your system. So it can be a great replacement for rather than turning to binging and those sorts of things. Um, they can also, exercise also is proven to reduce feelings of stress, anxiety and depression, which makes sense. Definitely. Yeah, so the next tip that we had is that 
Evidence suggests that including activities such as walking for 30 minutes, five days a week can increase your life expectancy by one and a half to three years. So just moving your body. And that doesn't have to be, I'm imagining it doesn't have to be an intense power walk, not running a marathon, but just making sure that you get out and move your body. Yeah, I mean, what we forget is that when we think of our energy expenditure over the course of the day, you've got not only, you know, your physical activity, which is your planned exercise, but you've also got your non-exercise activity. So that is the incidental stuff. And we actually don't realize that when we concentrate on moving our body more, you actually get the benefit of increased life expectancy but you also get the benefit of just burning more energy throughout the day. So it actually takes more for our body to stand up than it does to sit down. Mm-hmm. And we always hear those, um, you know, general rule of thumb to aim to get 10,000 steps a day in. Um, and this can be, you know, more easily achieved if we do do a 30-minute walk a day. But just think of ways that you could include that. If you don't have 30 minutes a day in, in a block, don't forget that you might be able to include a 15-minute walk in the morning and a 15-minute walk in the afternoon or even three 10-minute walks. Sometimes we can get overwhelmed and think, oh, 30 minutes, where do I fit that in? But the reality is is that there are ways. It's just navigating your time and understanding how that can be can be included. Yeah, because even, you know, when the boys were younger, just getting them out in the pram for a 10-minute walk sometimes would be all I could manage. But, you know... You could, you could do that twice mm. or three times a day to get your steps up Therefore, even if it's, you know, your kids practicing riding their balance bikes or their bikes with training wheels or their kick-along bikes or whatever it is up and down the path in front of your house and you're walking back and forth and back and forth and back and forth for five to ten minutes, mm-hmm. it all adds up. So rather than sitting down and watching your kids doing it, standing up and actually moving your body as well. Yeah. It's all that in- incidental movement which helps. And I sometimes say to clients, like, if you got up for the last five minutes of every hour that you were working, imagine how many extra steps in a day you could fit in. Yeah, that's a great So sometimes we think, oh, you know, where do I literally fit it? But if you said, okay, at 10.55, 11.55, 12.55, you got up and just moved your body for those extra five minutes, you could easily fit in an extra half an hour, 45 minutes in a day that you weren't previously doing before. And, and just I, explain to your boss. <laughs> that's it. Just be like, I need to go to the toilet or I need to fill up my drink like bottle. Mel does. She just, she just took a minute to lunge up and down the stairs and that's fine. <laughs> it's always, always, always a reason to move. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Tip number three, Mel, is... Um, So basically over 70% of the Australian adult population actually suffers from at least one chronic disease and a quarter of those actually suffer from two or more. That is a big stat. It's massive. And when you think like working as a dietitian in private practice, I often see clients, I'd say chronic disease would probably be my number one referral basis so I have clients who come on chronic disease care plans can and you just like what what constitutes a chronic disease so it's something basically that people will live with you know long term so it's an ongoing thing so, so some diabetes. examples would be type 2 diabetes high blood pressure high cholesterol um, fatty liver celiac disease those kinds of things so 
basically there are some risk factors for chronic disease that we can't change. So obviously we can't change our family history or where we come from. We can't change our age. Um, gender is something obviously that can, can, be, changed. can be changed now, <laughs> but, but generally speaking, non-modifiable. But physical inactivity is actually one that is really, really easy for us to change. So it is something that we can go from not doing at all to actually uh, making it part of our daily routine. It's within most people's reach. Definitely. Reach, yeah. Definitely. That's right. And if you're not sure if it can be, if you've got a pre-existing injury or you just don't know how it can work, there are health professionals that you can seek the, the help of, say an exercise physiologist, who can actually give you specific exercises that can suit your routine or injury or, or rehab, whatever it might be that you're going through. So the, the research suggests that regular exercise can actually reduce the risk factors of things like cardiovascular disease and stroke, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, some cancers, and osteoporosis. Wow. Yeah, wow. You we actually, just stop there. That's <laughs> probably enough of a reason to move. That's exactly right. Yeah. Because honestly, I can tell you now from experience that chronic disease is occurring earlier and earlier and earlier in the people that we see. You know, I have young children in primary school coming into my office with things like fatty liver. And, yeah. you know, these are things that are lifestyle related and can be modifiable. So if moving your body for just, you know, an extra 10 to 20 or 30 minutes every day can make these improvements, it's 100% worth it. And it's interesting because, like you said, like that's it's it's a psychological thing, isn't it? It's, Definitely. For a lot of people, it's not necessarily, not necessarily the ability. It's getting them to look at it differently <laughs> and approach it in a way Just that, yeah. Perspective. Perspective, yeah. that's exactly right. So, yeah, that's fascinating. Um, the next reason we've got is, Exercise is recognized as one of the most effective strategies to help make bones as strong as possible, reducing the risk of fractures from falls later in life. Bone density can be maintained or start to decrease when a person reaches their 30s to 40s. Um, You can still increase your bone density. but it often does decrease. That's right. In women from the age of 45, bone loss begins to increase to 1% to 2% per year and upon the onset of menopause can increase to 2% to 4% per year. For men, it remains relatively stable until about 45 to 55 years when then it can begin to decrease by half a percent, two percent per year. Now that is a fact that I am really, really interested in because I didn't know that until probably within the last couple of years. I didn't understand how important it is to lift weights and make my bones strong mm-hmm. because I want to be strong later in life. Yeah. Like I want to be able to lift my grandkids up if the boys decide to have kids. I want to be able to pack my own groceries, mm-hmm. live on my own, all of those sorts mm-hmm. of things. And getting the exercise in now can just add so much value, you know, not just right now but later in life as well. That's it. I think sometimes we forget the, you know, the benefit long-term of what we do now. Looking after you know, future us. That's exactly <laughs> right. Like often we tend to think menopausal kind of That'll be a fun time. Exactly, exactly. And that's the thing. I think sometimes we focus on right here and right now, but just remember that 
unfortunately we all age or fortunately or fortunately (laughs) and and at some point we do need to remember that we we want to put ourselves in the best possible stead moving forward and one of the biggest things if we think of bones is it's amazing how many people fracture a bone and struggle with rehabilitation later in life Mm -hmm. i mean imagine falling over and not being able to even get yourself back Back up. up yeah and you hear it you hear you know the, the woman or the man who's in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and it's just a fall. That's it. Or, or even not even a fall. My grandmother only the other week was in tears to us crying and turns out that, you know, she bent over to pick something up and I'm talking something really, really light and then stood up and her back was in so much pain and she went to the doctor and has been told she has crushed vertebrae. Oh, wow. You know, little things like that that, really reinforced to me the importance of of strengthening my bones now and looking after my future self. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes me think like now at 32, and I was having a, a similar conversation yesterday with one of the very young trainers at our gym because he was saying, this is kind of going off on a tangent, but, you know, we're here. <laughs> let's, let's go. I can always edit this bit out. But I have just started my Invisalign journey at 32. And he is 22, I think, and he was saying he really wants to get his Invisalign done, but he's like, I'm 22, like I'm in the prime. (laughs) And I was saying to him, I know you feel like you're in your prime, but at 32, you're still going to feel in your prime. You still feel super young. And so my point here is that Kylie at 32, I can still remember being Kylie at schoolies. Mm. And like, it doesn't seem that long ago. And I can still remember being in my 20s and, you know, before I know it, I'm going to be Kylie at 42. That's it. And mentally maybe still feel like Kylie at 32 in some areas of life. So you want to keep your mental faculties strong. Definitely. You you want to have your wits about you, but you also don't want your body to let you down. You don't want your body crumbling and you still feel physically strong, uh, sorry, mentally strong or emotionally strong. I think it's important to just, you know, think of the whole package. Definitely. And then reason number five is? So sarcopenia uh, is an age-related multifactorial process. It actually relates to the loss of lean tissue mass. So the onset of this can be insidious, but its progression can obviously be greatly accelerated by physical inactivity and poor nutrition. So it's actually quite surprising that after the age of 30, so we've both hit that already, um, it, <laughs> is, it is said that adults lose 3 to 8% of their muscle mass per decade. So what? that can contribute to a decrease in muscle strength and power, um, important predictors of balance, which is really important as we get older, and the occurrence of falls and mortality. So there's often something that, you know, women tend to be at times quite fearful of actually resistance training and lifting weights because, I mean, I was there when I was younger, but you fear getting big or bulky. And I think something really important to know is there's so much more to resistance exercise than getting big and bulky. And that is that, you know, resistant exercise can actually combat the loss of muscle mass and function. Um, But obviously understanding that it has to be accompanied by the right diet. And that's where protein can be a really important factor. And I think as a dietitian, putting that hat on now, um, 
something that I often find with clients is protein is something that as women maybe we don't often have enough of within our diet. Mm. And I think it can be... It's often not something we crave. No, no, not at all. And and I think often it tends to be more of those, you know, carb-based meals that we tend to gravitate towards, mainly because carbohydrate is in everything. And I'm an advocate of of everything. I'm an advocate of carbs. So I'm not, not here saying not to have that. But I think it's really important to make sure that we have that minimum protein requirement, which for anyone who is interested, the minimum amount really that you'd be aiming for is one gram of protein per kilo of body weight. So if you're a 60 kilogram woman, you'd be aiming for at least a minimum of 60 grams of protein per day. If you're a hundred kilogram person, a hundred grams of protein per day. That's such a good rule of thumb to know. Generally speaking. Yeah. Obviously if you have different goals, then, then that can be adjusted. But for the average population, that can be a really, really baseline factor to go off. It's a really good place to start. And I know for myself, like I used to eat no meat at all. I would consider myself a vegetarian, but I wasn't getting enough protein from other sources. And then about a year ago, I started to introduce animal protein again into my diet to make the biggest difference. It really did. Like, and I'm not saying that everyone needs to have animal protein in their diet. I don't know. I'm not educated enough to make that sweeping statement, but I know for myself as a vegetarian, I wasn't putting in the effort to get protein in Yeah, because it's harder. Yeah, it is. And I think if you are vegetarian or vegan, you can definitely achieve your protein requirements in a day. But number one, it is harder. And number two, you have to make sure you're getting the right combination Mm. to ensure that you're getting all of those essential and non-essential amino acids. Mm, So interesting. Mm. Now, the next reason we've got that is a sleep one. While we sleep, Numerous processes occur in the body, including memory consolidation, which I talk about a lot for babies and toddlers, but it's also relevant to us as adults, of course. Clearance of brain metabolites and restoration of nervous, immune, skeletal, and muscular systems. Now, virtually all bodily systems are impacted by poor or inadequate sleep. So having broken sleep, which we all know, like we we know this, it can cause us short-term side effects, but it can also predispose an individual to chronic disease and early mortality, which is scary. But that's something I say, you know, like we often, we know that we need food to survive. We know we need water to survive. We need fresh air to survive, but we also need sleep. It's very, very important, which is why you know, when we are struggling with sleep deprivation, it's so powerful to understand that it is one of your basic human needs being compromised and to just lower the expectations that you have on yourself. But really, really interesting to know that by improving um, your physical activity levels, it has been linked to improving sleep. Now, improving sleep has not necessarily resulted in increased levels of physical activity. So that's an interesting thing to note because often people will think, I need to get a full night's rest Mm -hmm. before I can exercise. Mm -hmm. And I've certainly been there. And like I said at the start of the podcast, there are times when you need to just listen to your body and if you're tired, not train. But that's an interesting link, isn't it, to say, okay, Improved physical act or increased physical activity is not dependent upon getting that. Yeah, yeah. So you don't 
I think it's sometimes where discipline just comes in, isn't yeah, it? Like commitment. Some commitment. Like if it's important to you, I know there's been times now that I'm stepmom where my whole routine has had to adjust and change depending on whether we have the boys or not. And there are some times where I have to make that commitment to get up early to be able to fit in the exercise. She's wild. <laughs> she gets up at like three. Yeah, sometimes. She's, sometimes. She's me a few years ago. <laughs> sometimes it's 3.30. Um, but the reality is, is that, yeah, it me getting up at 3.30 actually has nothing to do with if whether I've had a good night's sleep. It's literally just a discipline of going, this is important to me. This makes me feel good. And if I don't do it now... I won't get a chance to get it in today. The, the pleasure versus the pain. The That's old, exactly the old right. That I always come back to. And, you know, again, I had a really poor sleep last night just with some, you know, just thoughts running through my head all night. It was a really bad sleep. And I still made the choice to go and work out this morning because I knew that, like, putting in 30 minutes of moving my body, I knew that I would get a sweat up. I would feel mentally clearer and proud of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Listen to your body. Rest if you need to rest, but also understand that it's not always the case. Definitely. Now, the next one I love as well, and that is exercise is said to help memory and thinking through both direct and indirect means. Benefits come directly from its ability to reduce insulin resistance, reduce inflammation, and stimulate the release of growth factors. So chemicals in the brain that affect the health of brain cells, the growth of new blood vessels in the brain, and even the abundance and survival of new brain cells. Many studies have suggested that the parts of the brain that control thinking and memory, so that's your prefrontal cortex um, and your medial temporal cortex, have greater volume in people who exercise versus people who do not. There's a really amazing TED talk on this. I don't know if you've listened to it. No. I'll have to. I'll send you the link. Um, I'll try and put the link in the show notes as well now that I've mentioned it. But it's a TED talk from a lady speaking about how exercise impacts your brain. Mm-hmm. It's really, really fascinating. I'll get that link in there for you. Yeah, and I mean, who wouldn't want to exercise if it improves your memory and thinking? Sometimes, I, I mean, imagine if you are going through a really tough spot, just, you know, working. Just imagine. <laughs> imagine, you know, you're working and it's and your mind is just on a thousand other things and going and moving your body, how you come back so much clearer and you have that focus and ability to, you know, know what you're doing and, and have the ability to process and think, you know, that oh, who wouldn't want to do that when you struggle? If you're studying, for whatever reasons, work, whatever it might be. Absolutely. And I think that we all know that at a base level. Like I know myself after a good workout, I feel so much mentally stronger and clearer. Mm-hmm. But even just getting, like we, we know that. Well, a lot of us know that if your mental state isn't great, moving your physical state really can help. Yes, definitely. I love that. Um, reason number eight is about immunity. So immunity is the ability to defend against infection and disease. Our immune system is composed of a variety of cells, tissues, and molecules. And evidence suggests that regular moderate activity is particularly beneficial for immune enhancement and reducing the risk of infection. So with this said, though, the adaption of the immune system to physical activity is dependent upon the duration, intensity, and the type of exertion. 
But that's pretty incredible as well. It is. I mean, leading in, I mean, we're coming out of winter now, but in the lead up to winter, everyone's all about the armor force and the vitamin C and all of that stuff. Antioxidants. Yeah, yeah. Garlic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the biotonic. That's it. <laughs> um, and, you know, those things are great for sure. But also just don't forget that moving your body can be a great defense, you know, when it comes to your immunity. And as it says, like the adaptation of the immune system is dependent on the duration, intensity and type of exertion. exertion. So obviously it could be different for everybody and there's sometimes where exercising may make no difference. I must admit I am that person that when I'm sick, sometimes I will still go and, and do a session and times I feel better and other times obviously it makes me feel worse. And I think obviously you've just got to listen to your body in those instances. But if we think more prevention rather than we do think fixing the problem once we have it it can be really great if you are physically fit in in all areas we've we've already heard you know seven awesome reasons why exercise can be beneficial to your overall health if you are overall healthier then obviously that's going to affect your immunity long term yeah and i just think when it comes to immunity i mean i've certainly been the mum who goes into the chemist you know when a cold or a cough is coming on for the kids and I'll be like, what can I do for their immunity? And I'll happily invest money. Like I'll be like, oh yeah, $80 for these immunity enhancing products for the kids or for myself. So thinking of exercise as an investment in your immunity is maybe another way that will help you welcome exercise with well with open arms by going sure. as an investment and it's not a doesn't have to be a cost investment. You don't need a gym membership. You can move anywhere. Um, but it is looking after your family's wellness because if you get taken out by a cold or a flu, it's hard to operate. 100%. Number nine, Mel? So your basal metabolic rate, which is basically the amount of energy that you burn at rest, um, including the energy the body uses to keep all of its systems functioning correctly. So the amount of calories. Yeah, so basically kilojoules or calories just to live. And this is something I talk about often when I'm talking to clients about, say, weight management. But it's largely determined by your total lean mass. Can I interrupt? Yeah, for sure. Sorry, my love. She's used to this. Before we go down that path of touching on this reason, for Mm -hmm. those people who don't know, a kilojoule and a calorie is the same thing but a different terminology. So a kilojoule is, I think it's It's 4.2 kilojoules. It's going to go to one calorie. calorie. Correct, yeah. So often people think they're different but they're not. They're just a, a unit of measurement for energy. So they are exactly the same thing. And if you see kilojoules on something, just divide, divide by 4.2 and you'll get your calories. All together now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it is largely determined, or well, the basal metabolic rate is largely determined by your total lean mass, especially the muscle mass, because lean mass requires a lot of energy to maintain. So kind of linking in with that sarcopenia about maintaining that muscle mass, including regular exercise, can help preserve or increase your lean muscle mass therefore increasing your daily energy expenditure, maintaining a high BMR, which in turn can assist with weight management. So often women, when they come and see me, will say, oh, I'm doing exactly the same thing as my husband and he's losing much more weight faster. And one of the biggest things I will say is naturally 
men have higher lean muscle mass than women. So because we are... And this isn't a sexist thing. No. This is like it's proven. We're designed to have babies yeah. and our body needs to be fit for that. And that does require generally us having a, a higher little, a little more body fat. fat. Yeah. That's correct. And that's just the optimum optimum kind of um, growing space. But the reality is, is that we often just have to work a little bit harder at number one, getting that muscle mass mm-hmm. and, and two, maintaining that. But it does have some really great benefits when when people are trying to work at increasing the amount of energy that they just burn at rest. Yeah, interesting. Um, so last but not least, number 10, in a study that we found on physical activity and self-esteem, it was found that physical activity was associated both directly and indirectly with improved self-esteem. It was seen... <laughs> you Lou there? My dog. In the background. If, if you heard that, that's just Lou putting her two cents in. It was seen that when people reported a higher level of physical activity, that this was associated with a higher level of self-esteem. It was also seen that when people naturally participated in more physical activity, they generally had a higher self-esteem as a result of lower body mass index and also higher perceived physical fitness. So I think that that's a really important reason to end on because who doesn't want to have better Mm self-esteem and more confidence? And exercise can help you with that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you are feeling good about yourself, sometimes we have you know, we do, we, we exercise, we feel better about ourselves because we, we might see the changes in the way we look. We might see the changes in, you know, how fast we can go on the stair mill (laughs) and that kind of motivates us to keep going and it's self-esteem in a different way. It's not in vain. It's just in, you know, you, you like what you're seeing and the results. And that's one thing, like, it's so important to actually, if you are going to be exercising, to exercise from a place of self-love and not self-loathing. I've certainly been in a place where I've exercised from self-loathing, you know, in my early 20s for sure. But it's so different when you're actually coming from a place of, you know what, I love this vessel that I have. I want to make it strong. I want to feel good. And you do get the byproduct of the, you know, what's the word? The... Like you get the byproduct of the results of putting in the work, you know. You might see that your clothes become a little looser or they start to fit a bit better or whatever it is. But as long as that's like not the main goal, as long as you're exercising for the other reasons, Mm -hmm. those other reasons, they just come along. Yeah, and I think I've also been at that point, you know, I work as a dietitian and have for the last eight years. I'm now also a personal trainer and five years ago I competed in a fitness competition which I won and I'm so proud of myself just for, what I, for what I did. <laughs> but but the she's just got the trophy here on her desk. <laughs> and the Sierra. No, no, no. Sierra. But sash. She wears the sash every day. It's wild. But the reality is is that you know after that competition I even though I had all the qualifications and the skills after that competition, I found that I was exercising out of guilt. Mm. You know, I had to be at the gym if I ate that little extra bit or I had to do this. And it took me a good few years to overcome that. And I guess transitioning to being a stepmom, having a partner, you know, I had to learn to adapt my physical activity and my exercise and my general movement to find that I actually want to move because 
I like the way it makes me feel mm-hmm. and I move because I know it's better for my health. And I have health conditions which are impacted by all of these things. But when you get to that place, it's a really wonderful place. Yeah, it is. So hopefully, you know, you've been able to take at least one of these reasons that we've shared with you today and hopefully it'll stay with you and make a change with the way that you look at exercising. I know myself, the biggest thing is that I want to always be able to keep up with the kids. And I know that's kind of a cliche, like people say, oh, I want to be able to keep up with the kids or whatever it is, but it's true. I want to be the mum that can sit down the slide with them mm-hmm. and can chase after them and lift them up for a cuddle. Like still the boys are nearly six and I can just lift them both up still at once. And that's something that like, you know, I wouldn't be able to do if I wasn't looking after my physical health as well as my mental health. Definitely. So thank you for listening to this episode. We really hope you've enjoyed it. Um, I would love to see what you're up to, where you are while you're listening. So please do take a screenshot right now, pop it up on your stories. Make sure you tag me, which is at Kylie Camps and Mel's work account is at MSB, Your Diet Revolution, or one word. I'll pop that in the show notes as well. And thanks again for listening and we'll chat with you next week. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.